Hey, welcome to Cross Creek On Demand. We are so glad you are here. My name is John. I'm the lead pastor. We created Cross Creek to be a church for people who don't normally go to church. And so we've designed our Sunday environment, including our online environment, to be a safe place where people can discover God's love for them. We would love to connect with you when you are ready. Go ahead and scroll down and you can click ask a question, ask for prayer. Maybe you could find out how you could get here on a Sunday evening to join us live. But we would love just to be a part of your journey in discovering God's love. When you're ready, we would love to see you in person. Until then, why don't you go ahead and click subscribe so you can be updated on Cross Creek's most recent messages. Thanks for joining us. It's an interesting day. So, welcome to Cross Creek. It's good to see you guys. My name's John. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are just so glad that you are here. If you are visiting, if you're, if you're uh, visiting us for the first time, second time, third time, we want to get to know you. Um, not in a creepy, you know, hey, what's your middle name, and where'd you go to middle school, and that type of thing. A lot of middles there. Anyway, we don't want to do it in a creepy way. We just want to get to know you in a nice, easy way. And so there's a card in the seat in front of you called the welcome card. It's a red welcome card. And you fill that out with some really easy information about yourself. And then after the service, you go to the lobby and you give the card to the person at the info table in the lobby. And uh, you give them that card and we will give you a free gift. Super easy, super simple. Just a way to say thank you for being here. Thank you for um, being our guest. So we are in a series, we are in part three of a series, it's kind of the middle of a teaching series that we're calling, So What About? And the, the idea behind this series is that we have a lot of questions in life, all of us do. There's a lot of questions we have um, about Jesus, about God, about, about just faith in general. Uh, last week we talked about, you know, if God is loving, why is there pain and suffering? And we explored that for a little bit, but questions are important. See, a lot of times I think we feel like if you ask a question, then maybe you'll offend somebody or you'll, they'll think you're fighting them in some way. But questions really are a key to growing, a key to knowing more about yourself, knowing more about what you believe personally and, and why. And so we want to explore those questions. And so uh, as we go through this series, we're not going to be able to answer every question. Uh, we're not even going to be able to explore every aspect of the questions that we discuss but what we want to do is create a framework, a framework that we can kind of look through when questions do come up, when there's questions that uh, maybe we didn't think of before. We now have a framework to kind of answer those questions and, and search for answers and maybe, maybe discover some answers. And so that's, that's why we're doing this series, to create that framework. Now, like I said, we're not going to cover every aspect of every question we talk about. And that might leave you a little um, disappointed Maybe annoyed if you're willing to say that. Like, well, I had this huge question, and you said you're going to talk about it, and then you kind of didn't give me the answer I was hoping to get or a solid answer. You're in luck. We love questions so much that you can even take this conversation further in the seat in front of you, even online. Thanks for watching online, by the way. You can ask your own question. If you're here live, you can ask it on the Connect card. It's blue, and you, you fill that out with your name, email address. On the back, you can write any question you have about something I say, something uh, maybe that has nothing to do with what I say, but a question that you've been wondering about. And then we'll get back to you this week and kind of further that conversation. And online, you can do the same thing by saying, ask a question. So thanks for watching or listening online. So today's question... Uh, last week, with pain and suffering, I'd say it was one of the more difficult questions that we have for, for uh, Christianity and following Jesus. Today really is uh, the most dangerous question 
And I, I mean that literally. This is the most dangerous question I think we can, we can um, explore together. Because really, millions of people have died and been killed, not just died, but been killed because of different versions of this question that we're talking about tonight. And the question is this, what's the difference between Christianity and other religions? Or if we say it another way, who's right? And if somebody's right, then that means what? Somebody's wrong. You guys are very smart. I'm, this is going to be a great night. But think about it. Crusades, jihads, genocide, civil wars, conquests, all because one group of people said, what I believe is right, my religion is right, yours is wrong, prepare to die. You convert to what I believe, and, because I, and if you don't, you will die because I'm now in power. We've seen that throughout the centuries, right? We, we, we know the bloodshed that religion and, and religious wars have brought on. And yes, you know, some people have said, have tried to make the peace. And I, I think that's a great effort, trying to make the peace. And they say, you know, well, stop fighting. All faiths really are equal. They're all virtually kind of the same thing, talking about the same stuff, right? They all lead to God in their own way. And I, I appreciate that effort, but the problem is with that idea that everything's kind of the same, they all lead to God in just different paths, right? Different paths up the mountain. It's just not true. Right? If, you, if you look at the details of, and you really look at each faith, all faiths can't be true because if they were, they would have to fundamentally change the core of what they really are and therefore they wouldn't be a faith, right? And let's just kind of take it another step by saying, well, you know, your faith that you say is the only right one, it's really just like the others. All faiths are kind of the same. You know what you're saying? You're saying, I'm right and you're wrong. I might not kill you about it, but you're still, we're still kind of saying the same thing, right? We're all saying that somebody is right and somebody is wrong. There are real differences in these different beliefs, in these different um, even religions. And so you might be thinking, whether you're watching or listening online or you're sitting here, somebody maybe made you be here, you might be thinking, yeah, exactly. That's why I don't do religion. That's why I'm, you know, I say I'm agnostic or I'm atheist. I just, no religion, because all it does is cause fights and wars. And I don't blame you for that opinion. I think you probably have really awesome, good, thought-through reasons for having that opinion. I think that's fair. So really what I'm asking, if that's you tonight, I'm just asking, you know, are you willing just willing to be open-minded, right? We all want to be open-minded. Are you just willing to be open-minded about some evidence about Christianity that might be new to you? Some evidence that maybe you haven't considered before or maybe you haven't thought through in this, in this um, way before. Just be willing to be open-minded. I think that's a fair request. And so as we explore these differences, that's the question we're going to answer is what's different? As we explore this tonight, I want to keep one thing in mind. One thing that I think... Um, you can keep in mind it for a lot of areas, not just religion. But here's the thing. Disagreement is not the same as hate or intolerance. Disagreement is not the same as hating. It's not the same as being intolerant. We can disagree and still be friends. It's okay. We can disagree without hating each other. We can disagree without disrespecting each other. It's okay to disagree. So, to set up our framework of what we're talking about tonight, talking about the differences and different beliefs, 
Here's the thing. The major difference, and we'll just come out and, and kind of say it, is the major difference between Jesus and other religions really has to do with what we'll call, and we're going to call it this because we're in church and we can use these words because it's okay and we're safe. We're going to call it the sin problem. The sin problem. The difference really between Jesus and other religions is how they approach the sin problem. The sin problem is what do, why do we do what we don't want to do? Why do we hurt people that we love? Why do we hurt people when we don't even want to hurt them, but for some reason there's this thing in me that makes, that makes me fight for what I want instead of fighting for them? What is that? That's what we call the sin problem. And, and we've all done wrong in some way. We, you know, we probably don't call it sin, maybe mistakes. Mistakes that we did on purpose aren't really mistakes, but we'll just leave it at that. Mistakes or you know, accidents or I didn't mean to, but it still happened, right? You still caused hurt in some way. You still did wrong to someone in some way. And when we do that, it feels like we owe a debt. Like we're indebted either to that person or some higher power or the universe or whatever. We, we, we did something that hurt someone and now we feel like there's this debt. And so we ask questions, and maybe not in these words, right? But maybe we ask questions like these, you know, um, how do I make up for the wrong I've done? How do I make up for that? I know I did wrong. I wish I hadn't, but I did. How do I make up for it? How do I get rid of this, this guilt and this shame? How, does it, how do I make it go away? Or, you know, another way to say is, how can I be forgiven? How can I make everything okay and just be forgiven? And here's the thing. All belief systems have their own answer to the problem of sin. All belief systems have their own version of an answer. They always have. You go back to ancient Greece, right? You want to you make Zeus happy with you? Sacrifice an ox at his temple. You, you know, um, other ways? Pray a certain amount of times a day facing a certain way to a certain, certain God. Light a candle. Give a grain offering to, to the statue of your God. Uh, do, better, do better in your next life, right? Each life is a different chance to do better. That's how you can make up for your past wrongs. Um, Meditate to empty yourself of, of attachments to this world. Ways to, ways to deal with this sin problem of hurting other people. And all of these, honestly, all of these have been done by sincere, good people who are wanting to find a way to deal with this problem, to, to pay this debt. They care about other people and they know they've hurt them, so they're trying to do something to make it better. People who honestly believe that these are the best, most legitimate ways to deal with sin, whether they call it sin or not. Now, the thing is, there, there might be different, um, different details, but they do have similar patterns if, if you look at it. You know, you, you've done wrong, so you have guilt, so do these things to try to get rid of it. And if it doesn't work, if you still have that guilt, if you still feel like you need to do more, well, then do it more. And maybe try harder, right? Read more of this holy book. Give more of your money to this holy man. Go more often to this holy place as many times as it takes, sometimes over and over, sometimes your, your entire life, in order to make up for the wrong that you've done. And even if you don't have a religion, you still have some type of method, I think, of taking care of, of your guilt. Maybe you don't call it guilt. Maybe you call it something else, regret or something, I don't know. But we all have, whether there's religion in it or not, we all have some way. I mean, you still have some type of method of dealing with, with your problems, of, of dealing with the problems you see around you, don't you, right? There's, 
something you feel you need to do, something you feel you should do to make things right. It might be making sure you, you, know, you send positive thoughts to the universe to kind of make up for it, or promoting as much education as possible, doing as much good as you can think of to kind of outweigh the, the hurt that's been caused, Just doing something to make the world a better place. I think often, whether you're religious or not, we, we, we try these things and maybe we feel like they don't work or they become overwhelming or we don't find the answer we're looking for. And so some of us maybe self-medicate, right? We, we don't want to be left alone with our thoughts. We don't want to think too hard. And so we'll drink, we'll, we'll drink something, we'll, we'll smoke something, we'll sleep with something, we'll take something to kind of ease that, that feeling, kind of soften the, the, the sharp pricks of, of guilt or whatever we want to call it. Now, it's the answer Jesus gave to the sin problem that makes Christianity completely unique. When we ask, what's the difference? It's Jesus' answer to the sin problem. And you're going to have to buckle up tonight because here's the thing. Jesus' answer, Jesus himself, when he answers this, is offensively unique. You will probably be offended tonight. That's my goal. I'm an equal opportunity offend, offender. All right, offense, offense giver. Let's go with that one instead. So when Jesus answers this question of the sin problem, he's, he's offensive and he's unique in it. And we're going to see his answer in uh, what we call the book of John. It's actually uh, an eyewitness account of Jesus' life written by one of Jesus' best friends, if not his very best friend, uh, the Apostle John. He was just a teenager when Jesus was uh, walking the earth and, and teaching, and he was one of Jesus' closest followers, was with him everywhere, even was at the, at the foot of the cross when, when Jesus was being crucified. And so as he was getting older, he decided, I need to write down what Jesus said, what Jesus did, what it meant. He spent his whole life up to being an old man telling people, but he realized after a while he's not going to last forever, so he wrote it down. And we have that called the book of John. And it's in the New Testament of the Bible. And the passage we're going to look at that John recorded is, kinda, is near the end of Jesus' life. Jesus is telling his disciples, his closest followers, that he's about to leave that something's about to happen to him, that they're going to they're gonna want to be with him, and they're not going to be able to because he's not going to be there. He's, he's leaving. But not to worry because he'll come back someday. And he says, you know, you know how to get to where I'm going, but I'll come back and I'll, and I'll get you. And, and Thomas, by the way, Thomas is probably, you know, if we, if we had saints in this church, Thomas would be the saint of this series because we know, some of you might know Thomas of Doubting Thomas. When the other uh, Jesus followers said, hey, we've seen Jesus alive, he's like, I doubt it, right? I need to see it to believe it, which we, we kind of think that's a bad thing, but we all have questions, right? If you heard your best friend, was, if you saw your best friend dead and then everybody's like, no, he's alive, you're like, well, I kind of need to see that to believe. So anyway, Thomas is saying, asking the question again, Lord, how do we get to where you're going? We don't know what you're talking about. How do we get to where you're going? And what Jesus says next to answer that question is the most unique, most offensive, and really even really the craziest thing he ever said. But it's also the very core of Christianity. And it's also one of the main reasons people reject Christianity. It's what sets Jesus apart from all other faith leaders and really all other belief systems. So what did he say? 
Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Simple, short. Jesus said the way to be right with God, the way to go where I'm going, to be with me for eternity, the way to be right with God, the way to deal with your sin, the way to deal with your past, the way to deal with your guilt, the way to have true life with him forever was not his teachings, was not rituals done in a holy place, was not even a holy book wasn't paying penance or making sacrifices or positive thoughts or even trying harder. The way to deal with the sin problem, he said, was him. He said that he was the solution. And that's unique. See, every other belief system offers a solution to the sin problem. All other belief systems say, you need to do this, you need to do that to make up for you're the wrong you've done to make up for your past. You have to do certain things to get whatever God or gods or universe or society to accept you, to forgive you, to have mercy on you. The difference, what's the difference between Christianity and other beliefs is Jesus is the only one that offers himself as the solution. Jesus is the only one that offers himself as the solution. Not his teachings, Like I said, not a holy book, not holy rituals, not holy places. He didn't say, hey, to be with me forever, to have your your sin problem taken care of, you know, kneel down at this spot on the earth and and look towards this, this mountain. And he said, I am the way. And he said, he is the solution. But not only that, he is the solution, he says that he is the only solution. He goes on, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's offensive. If you're not a Jesus follower, that should offend you. He's saying no one can have their sin problem taken care of except through him. He's the only way. Here's, here's, what that, here's why that really is offensive. If Jesus is right, then every other belief system is wrong. If what Jesus said there, the Jesus that we kind of picture, you know, being sweet and loving and wouldn't really, you know, blow too hard on a butterfly in case it might tweak his wing and he have to go to a butterfly chiropractor. Look, if Jesus is right in what he said, he is saying that every other religion, every other belief system, every other philosophy is wrong. And sure, there might be some aspects of truth in those different beliefs, but he's saying their fundamental core of how to deal with the sin problem is wrong. Now, just because it's offensive, we don't need to dismiss it. See, offensive isn't the same as false. Just because it offends us doesn't mean it's not true. If you're married, you know what I'm talking about. You've been offended, and it's offensive because it is true. Right? Just because it offends you doesn't mean it's not true. It, it just means we don't like it. It just means it makes us feel uncomfortable. It just means it bothers us, and we wish somebody hadn't said it. It can be offensive, and it can still be true. And so as, you know, as you think, you guys are great thinkers, I know this, 
You have, you have deep thoughts. So if I say it, it, it can be offensive and still true, then you're probably asking, but is it true? Jesus can say whatever he wants, right? You can say whatever you want, and it can be offensive. Just because it's offensive doesn't mean it's not true, but it doesn't, doesn't also mean it's true. So is it true what, what he said? He's the only way? Well, here's the thing. Let's, let's go a little bit further. What Jesus is saying is not only unique to every other belief system, every other religious leader. It's not only offensive, it gets even better. It's a bit crazy. See, it sounds crazy, and it's going to get crazier. He, in the same breath, he says this. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him. Father God, the God of, who created everything. You know that God and have seen him. Basically because you know me. You've seen, he's saying, you've seen God because you've seen me. You know God because you know me. Jesus is straight up saying he's God. That's crazy. Because there's three options. And maybe some of you have heard these three options before. Either he is crazy, right? I mean, you walk by somebody on the, on the street and they're saying, hey, I'm God. Chances are they're crazy, right? Chances are we don't believe them and we move to the other side of the street and we take our kids with us and we just say, let's pray for him, right? Either he's crazy for saying he's God, which... Or he knows he's, he's not, and he's just manipulating these first century uneducated fishermen, which makes him an evil liar, right? So he's either crazy, a liar, or he's right. Or he actually is God. Those are really the, the three options. And the, the disciples, his closest followers, being the good first century Jewish boys that they were, at the very least, they should have just run the other way when he said that. Because, in fact, their law literally said, if somebody says they're God, puts them on the same level with God, they must be killed. They must be stoned to death. Not that kind, but the rocks at your face kind. Right? You must be stoned to death for putting yourself on the same level as God. In fact, it is one of the reasons Jesus was executed on the cross. That was one of his charges of him making himself equal with God. It's one of the reasons they killed him. And honestly, you, me, we really shouldn't give this conversation, this sentence, these sentences, we really shouldn't give it another thought. We really should just ignore it. And, and honestly, we should work as hard as we can to, for this exclusive, for this offensive belief to be abandoned. If, if it's not true, we should start telling people, start doing something about it. And we should, we should all just give up on it. Except that same day when he said this, he had also told his disciples that he was going to die. And he said that his death would pay for the debt of everyone's sin, of all the wrongs we've done, that debt we feel we have. He said, that, that debt you feel, I'm going to die, and, it's gonna, and my death is going to pay the penalty for that. That thing you feel like you have to do to, to make up for things, that's going to be my death. 
and I'm going to provide forgiveness for all of humanity. And he got even crazier and saying, but don't worry, I'm going to come back to life. Like, again, if your friend is saying this stuff, I have some hotlines you can call. And that's what the disciples probably should have done. I think they're just trying to wrap their minds around it. That's why they, they stuck around. So he said he's going to die. His death is going to pay the debt for all of our sin, and he's not going to stay dead. And so the eyewitness accounts, including John, tell us that that night he was arrested. And the next day, he was killed on a cross. They said, oh, I saw him. I was there. He talked to me. Like John, John says, I, he, he talked to me when he was on the cross. He looked at his mom who was there and said, John, take care of my mom for me. I saw him die, John says. He has, we have the details of how he died. And he, was, he died. He was on the cross. He died. And his followers all ran away. See, often when a religious leader like this, a charismatic leader like Jesus, when they die, his followers get together and they, they get his teachings together and they form a, at least a philosophy, often a religion, around his teachings. It happened with Muhammad, it happened with Joseph Smith, it, it, it always happens. When you have that charismatic leader, and they're martyred, they, they, they elevate them to the, the level of martyr, but they, they go through their teachings, and they adapt their lives to it, and they create different communities because of it. His followers didn't do that. Jesus' followers didn't do that. They all ran. Why? Because he never based any of this Jesus stuff on his teachings, he never based any of this new society he was creating on anything he said. He said, as we saw, it was all based on himself, that he was the life. And now the guy who said that he was the life was dead. There was nothing to hold on to. There was no teachings to spread because he was obviously wrong. So they ran. But three days later, something changed. Three days later, they were done running. Three days later, they actually saw him alive again. And a few days later, Thomas got to see it too. <laughs> proving that what he said, basically proving everything he said, was true. And honestly, it's, it's not something that's been made up and, and glorified throughout centuries. That's been the message of Christianity from the very, very beginning. A few weeks, not years, not centuries, not even months, a few weeks after this event happened, this is what his closest followers, the ones who had ran away because they were scared, this is what his closest followers said. They, they, got a, they, were, they like healed somebody. Read, read the book of Acts. It kind of talks about what happens after Jesus leaves. But his, his followers were, were preaching and, and telling people that, hey, Jesus is alive, and they get arrested by, by the Jewish religious leaders, the same guys who had Jesus killed. And on, when they're facing the leaders, Peter, one of the closest followers of Jesus, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. These are the exact same people who had just killed their leader a few weeks ago. Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame, they they healed him, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, not by the teachings, not by like the, the handkerchief that he once held, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, they were gutsy, <laughs> whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed." 
Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. They quote their, their uh, Jewish scriptures. The stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation, the answer to the sin problem, is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. That's been the Christian message from the very beginning. It's never been just about you know, trying harder and memorizing these, these scriptures. It's always been on Jesus. Because here's the thing. Jesus proved his exclusive claim by coming back to life again. Sometimes we have to rhyme. But Jesus proved his exclusive claim by coming back to life again. Gain. Can't say it normal now, can we? (laughs) But Jesus said, I'm God. So crazy, liar, or true. And then he proved it coming back to life. And it wasn't just like, oh, we see somebody in the distance, kind of looks like Elvis, I mean Jesus, and so we think he's alive. They had meals with him. They ate with him. They joked with him. They actually touched him. They saw him dead. They buried him, and then they saw him alive. Jesus proved his exclusive claim because he was back to life. And so here's the thing that sets Jesus apart. Every other belief system says you have to do something to make up for your past wrongs. In order to have peace, in order to have forgiveness, in order to have a clear conscience, in order to be right with others and God, you have to do something. And often it's lots of somethings you have to do. You have to feel enough sadness about what you did. You have to do enough things to make up for it. It's exhausting. And often it, it can be very confusing. Am I doing the right stuff? Am I, am I thinking the right thing? Am I feeling the right way? Did I, did I light enough of those? Did I sacrifice enough of those? Have I, have I spent enough hours serving others? It, working so hard to pay off a debt that you're never actually sure is paid off. Trying so hard to be something that you know you can never really be. And often being forced to pretend you're something that you know you will never be. Trying to make up for something that can never be changed. Because deep down we know no amount of future good erases past wrong. There's no amount of future good I can do, all the good things I can do, all the money I can give away, all the, all the poor people I can serve, all the, all the sick people I can take care of that makes up for the past wrong I've done. If I've hurt somebody, they've been hurt. I can go to the extreme. If I've killed somebody, no amount of saying I'm sorry is going to bring them back. It happened. It's there. It's on our account. Right? We feel like we have this debt because we do. We have this thing on us. There's nothing that can take it off. It happened. It's in the past. You can't change it. And you almost feel like, like you're a slave to this guilt or, or a slave to the effort to take care of that guilt. In fact, even some versions of Christianity put this on people. Maybe that's why you left church. Maybe that's why you're, you're watching or listening online because you've, put, you've, you've felt that on you, that trying to be something that you're not, trying to force this, this guilt on you that you keep trying to pay off and you can't. Maybe that's why you've never even given church 
or church people or Jesus a try or a chance because you say, no, I don't want that guilt. I don't want that put on me that I have to do these things over and over and over to, take up, to, to make up for it. Here's the thing. If you, if you don't hear anything tonight, which I hope you did, I know I talked fast, but this is the thing I want you to hear. The version of Christianity you've, if the version of Christianity you've experienced doesn't make you feel free, it's not Christianity. If the version of Christianity you've ever experienced or you've ever seen or come in contact with doesn't make you feel free, doesn't show you how you are free to be you, to be who you're created to be, to be free of that debt, it's not actually Christianity. It's just another version of the other beliefs we were talking about. See, Jesus says, all the other religions, all the other belief systems say you have to do these things, right? Religion is spelled D-O, do. Jesus says you're free because I've already done everything. It's been done for you. You just have to believe in me and trust me. You don't have to do anything. It's all been done, D-O-N-E, done. In fact, the apostle Paul summed it up this way in his letter to the Colossians. Talking about Jesus. He forgave us all our sins. All of them? Like, he didn't forget any when he was on the cross? No. But what about that one thing, you know, that I, I can't even forgive myself for? You don't have to forgive yourself. Jesus paid for it. He'll forgive you. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness. That debt we think we have to pay, it's been canceled. Think of your credit card debt and somebody canceling it, but better. I know, that feels good. Anyway, we offer this financial peace university. Talks about, sorry, I'm getting. So, back to the main point. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. You ever felt condemned? It wasn't Jesus. Stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. He paid for it. He took it away. He doesn't he didn't just die on the cross so you so you know you could work now you can work really hard to be forgiven. Like, no. It was his death that paid the penalty, that cleared the slate. Those things you've been trying to make up for. To, to, to pay for, maybe even hide that you're ashamed of, have been canceled, free and clear. It's been paid for. Not because you've done future good to make up for this past bad, but because Jesus, God himself, paid for it with his life. That's why baptism is so awesome. It's, it's that picture of, of those being washed away, and you, you, you dying to those, those sins dying and you coming back with a new life, of being, of being washed free and clear of that past. See, Jesus' claim is the most exclusive claim in history. But his offer is the most inclusive. It's the most exclusive. He is the only way to be washed clean, to be forgiven. He is the only one who's able to do it. It's very exclusive. But it's also insanely 
inclusive because it's available to anyone and everyone. In fact, Jesus himself said it this way. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. How many? All. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's Jesus. If you've gone to church or done religion and it hasn't felt easy and light, it wasn't Jesus. See, it's available to all, everyone, anyone. That, you don't get more inclusive than that, do you? So the question is, will you accept his offer? He's saying, I, I already paid the debt. Well, you just accept, accept the payment. Accept what I did for you. And often I think the argument is, well, that's too easy. Right? You, you know what I did? I have to do something to make up for it. That's way too easy. Just, just trust Jesus that he, he died for it and now, and now it's paid for. It's too easy. That's the point. See, see he says it's, it's a gift. Gifts are supposed to be easy to get. That's the point of a gift, right? If you pay for it or you work it off, it's not a gift. It's what's owed you. See, a gift is easy because the payment is done. Somebody already paid for it for you, and they are just giving it to you. So, of course, it's easy. Yeah, but I have to do something to make up for what I did. It was bad, and I, I just feel so good. I have to do something. What are, you going, what are you going to do to change the past? You can't. So everything you're trying to do, it's, it's not going to do it. It's already done. God loves you, and he wants to have a forever relationship with you. But our sin, our, our sin problem separates us from him, separates us from each other. When we hurt others, we try to hide. We hide from our Heavenly Father, and we hide from each other. Sometimes we hide from ourselves. And in order to end sin and wipe it out, to wipe our slates clean without destroying us, he died to pay the debt. He died to pay the penalty that we deserved. But he didn't stay dead. Like we said, he rose again to show that that debt is actually paid for and that we can have new life through him because he did it. He came back to life, and so now we can have a new life through him. We don't have to do all these things. It's already been done. We just have to choose to accept the gift and trust it. And it's easy. And it's light. And there's no ritual you have to do to tell him, I accept that gift. I want that gift. You just tell him. In your head. He's God. He can hear you. You can hear my, yes, he can hear your thoughts. He still loves you. It's easy. It's light. Tell him you want to accept that gift. He'll give it to you. So is Jesus' claim that he's the only way, is that offensive? Sure. You can, we can choose to look at it that way as it being offensive. But imagine with me, if you were taken captive, somehow you were in the jungle and somebody took you captive. I don't know why you're in the jungle. You just were. Okay? You're taken captive. 
and you're chained in this dark room, and there's no way you're getting out, but I hear about it. And being this, I say, I'm going to go help. So I go to this prison camp in the middle of said jungle, and I completely knock out the guard in a humane way, and I take his key, right, the key to your chains, and I I open the door and I say, I'm John Silva, I'm here to rescue you. You say, aren't you a little short for it? Never. (laughs) I'm here to rescue you. This is the key that will open your chains. This is the only key. I I got it from the guard. This is the only key that's going to unlock your chains. Would you say, well, that's pretty (laughs) narrow-minded. How do you know that's the only key? I mean, all keys lead to the same lock, right? How do you know? And by the way, you just unlock, that's way too easy. I can't, I mean, I gotta, I gotta like shake these really hard first and then you can unlock them. Like, would you say that? Or would you just say thank you and get the heck out of there? We would just say thank you and get out of there. And whether, whether we use the same words or not, we all at some point realize that we're trapped We're chained to hurts. We're chained to wrongs that we have done to others. Hurts and wrongs that we've done to ourselves. And other belief systems, again, we can disagree and still be friends. Other belief systems either try to ignore the sin problem, explain it away, blame you for it, and make you try try to work yourself to the bone to try to wiggle out of those chains. Say, you have to do something to take care of it. Jesus says, it's already done. I am the key. Be free. Be free. In fact, here's what he says. Then you will know the truth. There is truth out there. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth is Jesus loves you. God loves you, wants to be with you. He made a way for that to happen, for that sin debt to be canceled. And to know that is to be free. The difference between Jesus and other beliefs, to answer our question, is freedom. The difference between Jesus and any other belief system is freedom. If that's not the Christianity you thought it was, that wasn't Christianity. Following Jesus means freedom. It's the difference between D-O and D-O-N-E. There's nothing left to do. It's been done. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the the example of baptisms that you've given us, of of a new life, of being washed clean, of, of being free and clear of that sin debt, that guilt Thank you for making a way to, to be free from it. Thank you for, for making an easy way that you took all the weight. You did everything. We simply can receive the gift. I pray that you give us courage to, to receive that, to tell you, and, and maybe to tell somebody else about it. Give us courage to identify with you, maybe by being baptized. But show us that you're real. Show us that you love us. Thank you for always caring for us and carrying us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for being here. Next week...
we're going to talk about, um, honestly, why I hate going to church and why you should too. Isn't that provocative? It's going to be great. It's going to be fun. Why you should hate going to church and why I do too. Next week, tell a friend. Bring them. See you later. Have a good week. <laughs>